Hello, word nerds. Welcome to the dictionary. My name is Spencer. Today I'm recording this on November 13th at uh, 7.04 a.m. It's, uh, it's, um, happy 2024, if I haven't said that. Uh, this, I think this must be airing in January of 2024. Hey, let's read the words. My brain is a little slow this morning. The first word is enlisted man. Two words, enlisted man. Noun from 1724. Clearly, we got a we got the man, we got the male gendered word in here, but the definition says this is a man or woman in the armed forces ranking below a commissioned or warrant officer. Specifically, one ranking below a non-commissioned officer or petty officer. Uh they're let's see, so they're in the armed forces, they're enlisted, they're below these uh, commissioned or warrant officers, whatever those mean. Um, and uh, we still, it's a man or a woman, and we still call them enlisted man. Enlisted human, enlisted person, enlisted something different. We don't need to say enlisted man any anymore. We're 300 years. This word was coined 300 years ago to the year-ish. Uh, okay, I don't know. I'll I'll never be an enlisted man. I'm not enlisting myself into the armed forces. Uh, the sound effect will be. <sighs> Next is enliven. Let's enliven this up. It's a transitive verb from 1604 to give life, action, or spirit to. The synonym is animate, as in. Fresh flowers enliven the room. They've got a nice smell. They've got a nice look to them. They're colorful. They're pretty. They enliven the room because they give life, action, or spirit to it. Spirit to it. It's uh, The room is animated. Uh, let's see. So that's transitive. Uh, the synonym, this is interesting, it's the word quicken. I don't really know how quicken, quick, quicken it up, enliven it up. The next word is en masse or en masse or en masse, en masse. I feel like en masse, that's the proper way to say it. E-N is the first word. The second word is M-A-S-S-E. En masse, adverb. From 1795, and it means in a body or as a whole. In a body, as a whole. As in, moved the inmates en masse or en masse to the new prison. So as a whole, all of the inmates moved together as a big group of people, maybe in single file line or in buses, and there were no problems whatsoever when all of them got together in a big old group en masse, en masse, en masse. 
um, or just in a body. So it's like it's like they're in together, all one big thing. They're like their own body. It's uh, it's a mass, a mass of people, a mass of birds, a mass of turtles, whatever the group is. On mass, uh, yeah, that's it. It doesn't say uh, what it means, but I believe I would think that you know the word, the French word mass, moss means just a whole, the whole thing, the body. So it's uh, it's it's pretty much what it is. It's in a body. Uh, let's see. That's good for that one. <sighs> Next is in mesh. One word in mesh. Uh, oh, you could also spell it with an M. Im mesh. Im mesh. This is a transitive verb from 1604. To catch or entangle in or as if in meshes. To catch, catch a thing in a mesh. Maybe, maybe you're trying to uh, catch a, catch a something. Catch a the um the uh, what were they called? The little the not the Wookies, the mini Wookies, the Ewoks. Uh, they were trying to catch some people in meshes. I remember that scene where they got they got picked up by the netting, uh, and so yes, they were enmeshed. Um, they were enmeshed to catch or entangle in, as in deeply enmeshed in the plot. Now you are not literally wrapped up in a mesh in a net of some kind when you are watching a movie or reading a story with a fantastic plot, um, but you feel you feel like you are you are enmeshed in it. You are engrossed in it. Ooh, gross. Enmeshment. Enmeshment. That is a noun. Um, hmm, interesting. It's like, it's a weird one. It's a weird one when you're talking about something when you're not literally in a mesh. Uh, when you are, when you are engrossed in the plot, you are enmeshed in it. Mesh is just an odd word to use in that context. But that's that's the way English went. <sighs> Next is enmity. E-N-M-I-T-Y. This is, uh, it's a noun from the 13th century. Positive, active, and typically mutual hatred or ill will. Whoa. Uh, wait, positive, active, or typically mutual. So a lot of people, mutual hatred. A lot of people are hating the same thing, or they have ill will towards this thing. Um, but it's also positive and active? I don't really understand how that Positive. positive seems like the opposite of hatred. I don't know. That's a little weird. Uh, let's look at the etymology. Oh, it's from uh, the Anglo-French enmité, uh, which just means enemy. So enmity comes from enemy, uh, and you have hatred or ill will towards your enemy, but maybe you should love them and keep them close, and then maybe you won't be enemies anymore. Uh, but we have a lot of synonym information for this word. So maybe like there's other words that are similar. Uh, we don't have any more information about enmity specifically. Not a word that I think gets used very much. Enmity. Mm. I don't have enmity to you um, because I don't have hatred to you or ill will. Okay, the synonym information. Enmity. Hostility. Antipathy. Antagonism, 
animosity, rancor, and animus, animus, mean deep-seated dislike or ill will. All of those are dislike and ill will. Enmity, who oh, I scooted back, I didn't want to scoot back. Enmity suggests positive hatred, which may be open or concealed. Again, I don't know what positive hatred means. As in, an unspoken enmity. So, an unspoken hatred, which may be open or concealed. So, in this case, because it's unspoken, it's concealed. It's a secret. We're not talking about it. Okay. So, it could be either one. It could be open or a secret. Hostility suggests an enmity showing itself in attacks or aggression. So, it's... Now, this is enmity that has been opened up to the world. It's... uh. There's action being taken toward the thing that has the uh, the ill will against it. Um, haya, attacks or aggression, as in hostility between the two nations. So the two nations, maybe before the hostility, they had enmity towards each other. They didn't like each other, but they kept it quiet. They didn't talk about it. They didn't do anything until they got to a certain point, like... Like, I don't even want to bring up those areas. You know what areas I'm probably talking about. There's a bunch of them, a bunch of possibilities. So they're hostile against each other because they're, you know, they're fighting. They're like, I hate you and I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to be hostile to you. Um, antipathy and antagonism imply a natural or logical basis for one's hatred or dislike. Both of those mean that. A natural or logical basis. Oh, it's, it makes sense why you don't like them. Antipathy, suggesting repugnance, a desire to avoid or reject, and antagonism, suggesting a class of temperaments leading readily to hostility, as in a natural antipathy for self-seekers. Self-seekers are those people who are like self-interested, selfish, uh, so it makes sense that you would have antipathy against them because uh, that one suggests repugnance, a desire to avoid or reject. You're like, I'm just going to, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm going to avoid being around you, talking to you because I have antipathy to you. Um, antagonism, there's an example for that one. Antagonism between the brothers. And so again, antagonism suggests a clash of temperaments leading readily to hostility. So this is like two people who are on different wavelengths, they believe different things, they have different uh, energies, uh, they're, just, they're just different, and they're like, I don't, I can't, we don't see eye to eye, really. Uh, and if it's brothers, that's extra frustrating. It's like, but you're brothers, you're supposed to, you're, you're, you should love each other. But, you know, sometimes brothers are so different that they can't hang out together. Uh, and so they have antagonism to each other. Animosity suggests intense ill will and vindictiveness that threaten to kindle hostility. As in animosity that led to revenge. Ooh, well, I mean, if you had to get revenge, that means that... There was something bad done before that. So antagonism, uh, no, animosity, ill will, and vindictiveness that 
that threaten to kindle hostility. It's it's might it might kindle some active uh, attacking or aggressiveness uh, because they have animosity. Who? Okay. Uh, rancor, R-A-N-C-O-R, is especially applied to bitter brooding over a wrong. So something happened, somebody did something, and then the other one is brooding over it for many years. Uh, as in, rancor filled every line of his letters. Ooh, he decided to write his rancor down in prose, in a letter. And every word, every line was like, I'm brooding over this wrong that you did to me. Animus, A-N-I-M-U-S, adds to animosity the implication of strong prejudice, as in objections devoid of personal animus. I think that's how you say it. I want to say animus, but I don't think that's right. So it adds to animosity... um, Strong prejudice. You got a strong prejudice towards a thing, a person, or whatever it is. Uh, and yep, that's animus. Okay, so that all of that came from the word enmity, which is just uh, uh, you don't like a thing. That's it. You don't like a thing. <sighs> the next word is eniad. Eniad. Yep, E N N E A D. E-N-N-E-A-D, Ennead. Noun from 1550, this is a group of nine. Just nine things is an Ennead. And isn't there that, um, the, the nine, like, personality trait things or something? But I think it has a different, uh, okay, well, the, the Ennead, or the great Ennead, was a group of nine deities in Egyptian mythology, so that's interesting. Um, was it Aeneid? What is this? What is, I'm trying to remember, there was something, something about the, uh, the nine, let's just look them up, the nine personality types. Oh, where did it go? The Enneagram, that's what it is, that's what it is. Uh, so is that, are we gonna see that, or is that, no, I don't think so. Mm-mm. It's a new, it's more of like a new idea, I think, a newer thing. You got, there's nine types, um, and um, I mean, I guess we could we could maybe talk about this here because we're not going to see it anywhere else. I mean, it is a group of nine things. Um, but I want to, let's see, let's see, let's see. What is, the number nine person not, oh, here we go. Let's, let's go to this one. Okay, let's just read them. You know, they're nine. Uh, number one is the perfectionist. Uh, number two is the helper. Number three is the achiever. Number four is the individualist. Number five, the investigator. Number six, the loyalist. Number seven, the enthusiast. Number eight, not the burper. Number eight is the challenger. And number nine is the peacemaker. Okay, well, there's a lot of stuff here. There's uh, Enneagram tests that you can take to see which one you are. And I think what they say is that everybody's sort of like lean towards one or two mostly. And then there's definitely some that you're not. But then, you you know, you probably fit in with some of the ones in the middle. But there's always like one or two that you're like, yeah, I'm definitely those guys, those people, those ones, those types. Um, 
I don't remember which one I am. Um, there, I definitely did this test a while ago. Um, the helper, probably. Um, maybe a little bit of the perfectionist. Maybe the achiever, the individual. I think I'm all of them. I think I'm a healthy blend of all of them. There was one, the peacemaker. Yep, I'm definitely also the peacemaker. Um, probably not the challenger. Confrontational? Yeah, I, I'm not that at all. Um, that would be the lowest one for me. Why are we still talking about this? Because we were talking about the Ennead. It's a group of nine, and the etymology is from the Greek Enya, which means nine, and there's more at the word nine. Usually when we see something about nine, we see like the N-O-N prefix, but this one didn't come from non, nonagon. Uh, this is the Greek uh, word for nine. So that's what it is. Any group of nine is the Ennead. <sighs> Ennoble is next. This is a transitive verb from the 15th century. One, to make noble. The synonym is elevate, as in seemed ennobled by suffering. Seemed ennobled by suffering. I don't understand that. You're suffering and then you become noble because of your suffering? I guess, I guess you're noble because you're going through suffering. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, so noble to go through some suffering. I will go through some suffering for you. I'm so noble. Two, to raise the rank of nobility. Um, so, you, the, so if somebody is already noble, they are nobility. They're a, a duke and a duchess, but then you raise them up even more to a king and queen, and then you have ennobled them. I guess that's what that is. Um, ennoblement is a noun. Uh, yeah, it's just from the word noble. <sighs> the next word is ennui. E-N-N-U-I. I don't know why, but this is a good word. Noun from 1732. A feeling of weariness and dissatisfaction. The synonym is boredom, but I feel like it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, let's look at the etymology. It's from Old French, ennui, with one N, which means annoyance. From ennuer, I don't know how to say that word, ennuer, which means to vex. Ooh, I'm so vexed. I'm annoyed. Um, it is from the lower Latin, inodiare, which means to make loathsome. And then there's more at the word annoy. I never thought about how annoy and ennui are related. I mean, they're like practically the same word. Ennui, annoy. Ennui, annoyed. I'm annoyed at ennui. Um, so yeah, weariness and dissatisfaction. I, we've definitely all felt this. Uh, sadness, depression, whatever that is to you. Um, ennui, just like, oh... Oh, I'm bored. I'm not interested. I get this sometimes. I think that's why I do so many projects is because I don't ever want to be bored. I don't like the feeling of being bored. And I can't just sit and do nothing. I feel like I feel like if I'm if I'm not doing something, I'm not I'm not helping, I'm not being active, I'm not working on my brain, on my body, on my something, on my skills. 
Um, I just, I'd like, okay, yes, fine. I like to scroll on my phone sometimes on social media, but like, I only want to do that for a little bit for a brain break. Um, if I'm not, if I don't have plans, if I don't have a project, if I don't have something to do, I just feel like, what, I guess I could, I could read? I don't know. I should read more. I should read more. That should be the backup thing. I don't want, I don't like being bored. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. The sound effect, if you couldn't tell, is a little bit of ennui. <sighs> the next word is Enoch or Enoch. Capital E-N-O-C-H. Noun from before the 12th century. This is an Old Testament patriarch and father of Methuselah. Named Enoch. Uh, yeah, it's just from the Hebrew name Hanok. And I don't know if I said that right. Um, I think, do we use this word in other ways? This word, this name? Um, patriarch and father. So the father of Methuselah was Enoch. And uh, I, I don't know anything else to say about that. <sighs> Next is Enokidaki. Enokidaki. A wonderful word to say. Very fun in the mouth. E-N-O-K-I-D-A-K-E. Enokidaki. I think that's how you say it. That's how I'm going to say it. It's a noun from circa 1977. The synonym is enoki mushroom, which is next. But first, we're going to talk about the etymology. And yes, it is a Japanese word. Uh, their word looks like it's enokitake or something like that, or nokitake. It's from the word enoki, which, interestingly, is a Chinese hackberry. A Chinese hackberry? The species name for that is Celtis sinensis, or Celtis sinensis. Um, and then it's plus taki, which means mushroom. T-A-K-E. It means mushroom, which is why the synonym is enoki mushroom instead of enokidaki. That makes sense. What? I don't think I have ever had one of these enoki mushrooms, a.k.a. enokidaki, so let's talk about that. <sighs> enoki mushroom, noun from 1979, a whitish cultivated agaric mushroom or agaric mushroom with a long, thin stem and a small cap, called also just enoki. Just that. Uh, the species name is Flamulina velutipes, something like that, uh, which is also maybe possibly called Colibia velutipes. Maybe that's a second kind. Um, maybe let's post a picture on social media of this enoki mushroom, also known as enokidaki, which is just the way more fun way to say it. Uh, okay. <sighs> Next is enol. Enol. E-N-O-L. Those are the letters. Noun from 1904. An organic compound that contains a hydroxyl group bonded to a carbon atom having a double bond and that is usually characterized by the grouping C, and then it shows an equals, a long equals symbol, which means it's double bonded to C, C double bonded to C, and then parentheses we have OH, 
oxygen and hydrogen in the parentheses, and that's connected to the carbon, which is double bonded to another carbon. Enolic, or enolic, that is an adjective. So what is this organic compound that contains a hydroxyl group bonded? Okay, so the hydroxyl group is the OH. Hydrogen and oxygen hydroxyl group bonded to a carbon atom. They're connected to the carbon atom. Uh, having a double bond, and it is usually, so the double bond to another carbon, so there's two connection points, uh, usually characterized, yeah, okay, so that's what it is, what is it used for, what does it do, what's, what's the makeup, I don't know anything about that stuff, uh, but it's an enol. <sighs> the last word is enolase, or enolase. E-N-O-L-A-S-E, -E. noun, from 1937. A crystalline enzyme that is found especially in muscle and yeast and is important in the metabolism of carbohydrates. You work out. You gotta, you gotta eat some carbs to work out and help your muscles be nice and strong or something. Uh, enolase, I guess it's a thing that you, something, something. Uh, okay, those were all the words. And now I'm going to tell you which one I think should be the word of the episode. But first, let's remind ourselves, what did we have today? We had enlisted man, enliven, en masse, enmesh, enmity, enniad, ennoble, ennui, enoch, enokidaki, Enoki mushroom, enol, and enolase. Hmm. Okay, well, probably not enlisted man. Enliven, that's fun. It's fun to enliven the world. Um, en masse, it's just a group of people in all together. Enmesh, enmity, probably not those. Enniad is interesting. It's just a group of nine. Uh, ennoble, ennui. I mean, I like the word ennui, but I don't love the feeling of ennui, so I probably won't pick that. Enoch, okay, uh, well, I, do, I just like to say enokidaki. That's just a fun word to say. Maybe I should just pick that one. Enokidaki, enokidaki, it's a mushroom that I've never had. Enokidaki, enokidaki. Okay. That was great. Enokidaki is the word of the episode. And right now, because we're done with that part, now comes the movie part of the show. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Movie. I have to bring up my note. And we left off with... Which one? My posts... I post these on social media. My uh, personal uh, social media is at Speedjampar. And so I post these there. I'm ahead uh, on that one compared to what I'm telling you about here. I believe the next one is The Wrath of Becky. And uh, before that, I watched Becky a little bit before that. And this is the sequel. And it's uh, it's just another fun, fun horror, a bit of comedy, um, just a fun movie if you're into those sorts of things. And uh, it's just, it's a blast. And Becky's a blast. And she's awesome. And she's a badass. And that's all I want to say. I think you should watch Becky, and then you should watch The Wrath of Becky. Very different from some of these other movies I watched. The previous one was an animated child car cartoon movie, and then we get into the horror world, because, you know, we I just like to see all of it. 
All right, that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening and watching. You can watch this on YouTube. At Spijampar is on the YouTube. And uh, then you can watch it there. Okay, this has been Spencer Dispensing Information. Goodbye.